Well, I'm really happy to be here in front of you guys. I wish I could give you all a big hug, but that's not allowed. But uh, just know that I, I am so happy to be in your presence. Does it feel good to be in the presence of other people, around your family, around people that, that love you, that care about you? That, to me, is what church is all about. It's about the community. And, uh, you know, this morning I actually wanted to talk about, I want to continue on, actually, what uh, Pastor John preached about last week, about going into new frontiers. Because this is a new frontier that we're in right now. We are in a brand new frontier. And I was personally inspired by his message because we know that as a country, as a province, as a city, even as a church body, right now, we're, we are moving into the unknown. We really are moving into the unknown. And we're moving into new frontiers. And we're all pioneers. Every one of us is a pioneer in this new frontier. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're working in a job where you're facing a lot of people out there, you know, we are all forerunners in our positions. We are. We are forerunners in our positions, which is interesting. I was, at the, uh, I was actually at the dentist this week. I don't know if any of you have been to a dentist since this all started, but I decided to go ahead with it. They asked me if I'd come in. I said, yeah, sure. And uh, when you go to the dentist, it's a whole new experience as well. It almost feels like, uh, you know, you're walking into a decontamination chamber when you walk in. They're wearing full suits, full masks. Like it's like they're wearing a welding mask, and it's, it's a different experience. They are, front, they are pioneers in this new frontier of having to work on people's mouths, which is where this disease could spread. So it's, you know, it's, and it's not an easy thing. It really isn't easy. And why I'm interested in this topic is because in this new frontier, I believe that this is where true revival can take place. Amen? It's good to see you, Fred, by the way. Mr. Amens. I'm so happy that you're here this morning. <laughs> Amen. But I believe that because of the, the, what we have to do to gather together, you know, it takes away a lot, but it also gives room for God to fill in the gaps where we're missing things. Amen? I really believe that. I believe that this is where revival can take place. And, you know, a huge or grand movement can only be achieved when we're called ahead to unknown paths that no one else has traveled before. And if you're anything like me, the call to something new is actually always on my heart. It's always on my heart. And it's not, has nothing to do with my personality. I know that that's not part of me. But I do know it's part of my uh, apostolic, my faith DNA. It's part of my apostolic nature. That's part of my, who I am as a person. And, you know, the Apostolic Church, who is, is our movement, by the way, if most, some of you don't know, the Apostolic Church, you know, was pioneering when it started and had the mandate to belt the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we are as a movement. It's evangelistic, actually. And, you know, that evangelism, today evangelism, though, is in an entirely new frontier as well. How we thought about evangelism isn't going to work <laughs> anymore either. We have a whole new way of how we're going to have to evangelize to people as well too. And by the way, the globe has already been belted. And uh, as my father, Pastor John, said to a couple of apostolics down in the UK, okay, now that we've belted the globe, what are we going to do with the belt? Right? What are we going to do with that belt? And my question to you today is, you know, will you boldly go? Are you boldly going to go to this new frontier? You know, I feel like there's still a lot of people who are just comfortable with the way that things were before, you know, the pandemic started, which I get. I, I totally understand that because it was good. You know, where we were before, it was good. There wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad. I'm not standing up here telling you that it's bad. Okay, but, you know, it, 
God in Scripture, if we look everywhere in the Bible, God calls people out of a position of comfort. Almost always. He always calls people out of a position of comfort to a path that's less traveled. Right? To a mission where they have to lead the way. They're put into a position where they actually have to lead. They have to be the forerunners in where they're going. I guess the question that I've been asking myself and, and the one that I can ask you this morning is, you know, are you willing to be the ones that go in advance? Are you willing to let go of what was comfortable and predictable and go to instead and, and be the forerunner of what God wants to do? Are you willing to be that person? I hear a lot of silence, so I know that you have to think about that for a little bit, right? But, you know, what if we're going to go where God wants to go? Dare we go where the Holy Spirit leads us? Dare we go where he takes us? And, you know, dare we let him take care of whatever the consequences of that might be, right? We have to trust in the Holy Spirit that he's going to lead us as forerunners to where we're going. And I know it's a pretty broad statement, and your answer may be, well, I'll be the forerunner, but it depends on what those consequences are, which is fair. I get that. But the one thing as a pastor that I've come to accept during this time, okay, is that, you know, planning ahead doesn't really work. You can't really plan ahead for things, right? It's, it's literally one day at a time. And, and given us the structures that we've created, you know, the, the machines of, of organization even out there in, in, in the world, can't go back to the way that things were, just like the dentist. They can't go back right now to the way that they were doing things before. It is not business as usual, right? It's not business as usual. The machines of organization can't go back to the way that they were. They have to adapt to really what our daily changes. Every day there's a new change that's being announced that we have to follow. Changes continually over and over again. And the same is true for the church. We're in a flux and you know what, the, the, I, I, I'm saying this, uh, I'm trying to be a little bit sensitive, but I think the business of church is bankrupt. I think the business of church is done. What do I mean by the business of church? Well, for one thing, conferences, I don't know when they're going to start ever again. If you think about it, the conferences where there's hundreds and hundreds of people, when's that going to start again? We, we have no clue. And think about these, these huge Christian arts that are, you know, top, top you know chart selling people that, that they they can't now their main money maker was concerts when are we ever going to get to go to another concert again who knows so the business of church is really it's an unknown right now and is that what what is god doing in all of this you know I'm gonna, i'll say to it that i you know i don't think god has caused this don't don't get me wrong i don't i know god hasn't caused this but what's he doing in it what is he doing in it you know uh, is he using it to somehow change our, our concept of what he values in the kingdom of God? I, I think he might be. I think he might be. What do we value? Right? And what are we going to go after instead? I believe he wants us to go boldly where he is leading us. And my, my text today, if I turn it on properly, my text today is actually in Numbers. And uh, it's the story of Joshua and Caleb. And they were two people that had enough trust to go after what God had for them. And it rep actually represents a vision that was bigger than the obstacles that they were facing. It's in Numbers 13 and 14, if you want to give it a read. And uh, just to give a summary, I'm not going to go through it, but the people of Israel were on the border of the Promised Land, right? They were right there. After 40 years, they were on the border. They could see what God had promised. So what did Moses do? He sent in spies to go check it out. 
He sent some spies to go look at the land and, and uh, look and see what was there. And he actually picked uh, 12 people from each, one leader from each tribe to go and spy on the land. And he gave them very specific questions to answer. You know, what kind of land is it? You know, are the people there strong or are they weak? You know, are there many of them or are there just a few? Is it good or bad land? Do they live in cities or do they live in strongholds? Is the land rich or poor? Are there trees? And he also instructed them because it was actually uh, the time for the harvesting of the grapes. He asked them to bring back some fruit from that land as well too. And I think you can see that in that picture that they, they carried a whole thing of grapes uh, back from when they, they went to spy on the land. And the striking thing about the response of the spies, so they went in, they looked at everything, and they came back and they gave a report to Moses. And the striking thing about the response of the spies is that they actually completed that mission perfectly. They answered every single question. They, they had all the answers to what Moses was looking for. And they brought back the fruit and, and they answered the questions, you know, the land is good, but the people, they're huge. They're giants. They're intimidating. They, we look like grasshoppers to them. They're massive people. And, uh, you know, something interesting happens to 10 of the spies is that they just left it at that. It's like, yeah, the land's good, but there's giants there. So we're good in the desert. Let's just stay here, right? That was their response to it. And, uh, you know, so they even said that again, that they look like grasshoppers in the land. The challenges, though, of the path ahead overwhelmed their thinking. And so they gave Moses a bad report of what the land looked like, except for two people. So Joshua and Caleb, actually, instead of just reporting what they saw with their eyes, they actually brought God into the conversation. Imagine that. They actually brought God into the conversation. They know that God had actually promised them this land. They knew that. They had the vision. So that, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what we see with our eyes. God promised this to us so we can take it. It doesn't matter how intimidating the odds look and how it looks, you know, how we look in comparison to them. We are going to be victorious because God is with us. And that's the report that they brought back, which was totally oppositional to the other majority, the 10 spies, the other 10 spies that were with them. All pioneers face obstacles along the way. We do. Anyone that's a pioneer, they're going to face obstacles along the way. They all face a cost, and it's usually really a lonely path that they take when we boldly go where God wants us to go. And we can respond in either two ways. One in faith like Joshua and Caleb, or one in intimidation and, you know, inaction or disbelief at the situation in front of us. There's only two reactions for a pioneer. Either you move ahead in faith or you stand still. The question today to ask is, do we have a vision of what God can do even in this situation that we're facing today? Do we have a vision for that? A vision for the times that we're living? A, you know, a vision that actually outweighs the circumstances that we're facing and the challenges that we face. Do we have a vision? And sometimes that's very hard to do, isn't it? So going, to boldly go, actually requires action. To boldly go implies that, that you know, we don't leave our cars in park. It's clutched down and into gear. And for anyone that's under 20, probably doesn't even understand what that metaphor means. <laughs> we were just talking the other day, I was, I was with Gordon, we were talking about how you know, if you drive a standard car today, you're going to be safe from anyone trying to rob your car because no one will know how to drive it. Third pedal, what's that? Right? And we also can't be in two places at once. If God calls us to go, then we can't stay where we are and still look ahead. And, and you can't kind of walk halfway between those two things. It's either one way or the other. We can't flirt with where we used to be. It's either going forward or staying put. 
And I believe that the calling to, to venture into new land is actually, it's a unique calling to have. To be called to spy out the land is actually a respected and honored mission. Hey, guess what? The fact that you guys are actually alive today in this particular time means that, you know, he's chosen you to take part in this mission that we're facing today. Imagine that. You're sitting here today, alive, breathing the air through your masks, but you're breathing air knowing that you are actually part of the mission going forward with God today. And it's a very unique time. And it's a very honoring time. He's chosen you to take part in this mission. We have to understand that to be called to do anything for our king, and that's, you know, whether or not people think it's significant or not, it's still the highest honor that any of us can actually take part in. And obedience is how we honor the Lord in return. To walk in obedience is, in fact, you know, to walk with him. In fact, you know, I've come to the conclusion that the only way to actually feel true success in life, to feel that, uh, like you're, you're doing something, is actually to live in joyful obedience to where the Holy Spirit is leaving you, leading you, to where he's taking you. And when we enter into eternity, I know that our reward is actually going to be based on how close we walked in obedience with him, being led by the Holy Spirit into to what he's actually called us to do. That's where you feel true success. That's where you feel like you're actually achieving what you're meant to do in your life is when you're walking in joyful obedience with him. So being a pioneer, it's a serious responsibility and one that not, may not make us very popular either. Not always that popular. And there's a lot of required of us when we're living in a new frontier. Have you ever thought about the fact that what we're living right now will in fact be recorded in history and children in the future are going to read about the great pandemic of 2020? Have you ever thought about that? It's pretty crazy when you think about it. You know, a lot happening during this time as well too, the social unrest and all the geopolitical things that are happening. All of it is very, are very historical things that are happening right now. I was talking to uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Richard Davies in, in, from Transformation Church in Montreal. And uh, we were texting each other back and forth saying, I, you know, living in history is cool, but it's, it's not all that fun. <laughs> it's not all that fun, and it's true. Joshua and Caleb were also not very popular when they said, hey, you know what, let's take this land. In fact, the Israelites wanted to stone them for saying it. Not very popular thing to say, even though it was the right thing to say, even though it was the God thing to say, it was not very popular, Right? Right now, you might not be popular for saying that God is about to move and, and God's going to use this time to reveal himself. Maybe that's not a very popular thing to say right now. But, you know, and you really, you know, saying that, that God is love and that, that God loves you, maybe that's not something that people want to hear when there's disease and there's a lot of people that are, that are dying as well too. You know, but you know what? This is actually the message that people need to hear. It is the message that people need to hear. And it actually needs to be spread faster than COVID. The message of God's love needs to spread faster than any virus. Amen? That message has to be the one that we carry with us to the world. Even if it makes us unpopular, it's something that we actually have to take out to the world. Because it's God's promise. It's what we need to bring out there. And, uh, you know, again, there's a lot required from us when we're sent out into territory. Because what we say and do actually has an effect on how we approach this new frontier. And whether or not we're going to be seen as leaders in it as well, too. How many people want to be a leader in this time? Again, we are living in history. I want to be known as someone who is a pioneer, who is leading and not following. Amen? I think Christians have the unique opportunity to be the ones to show God's love, to show that God is in control in a time where there is no control. Amen? Yeah. I'm glad I can hear your amen. amens. That's good. 
That's good. You know, I don't think I can candy coat the fact that there's a real and difficult mission for us right now to be the ones to have a very good report. You know, it's not difficult to be the ones that have a good report, but man, turn on the TV now and there are no good reports. You know what? There are zero good reports. And it's part of, you know, it's all part of how mass communication works. There's a saying in the journalism world where, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. In other words, if it has something where there's blood or violence, it's going to be the top story. Right? And that's an awful thing to think about. But we have to be the ones to carry the good report. Again, even if, we, if people think that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not, you know, looking at reality, the fact of the matter is we are looking at reality. We're looking to the hope the only hope that's actually out there. We are the ones that can actually carry that good report to people. Just think for a moment of the, of the awesome responsibility given to the 12 spies who were sent out to check out the promised land. You know, there are 10 of them who came back, came back with that negative report. And if you take some time to read the story there in Numbers, you're going to see that, you know, their unbelief and fear caused a whole generation to actually perish in the desert. That whole generation even though the promised land was right there within sight, a whole generation perished there in the desert because of their unbelief, right? Entering into the, the blessing that was in front of them, you know, wasn't there for them because of their unbelief. You know, not only did the adults of the nation fall in the desert, but, you know, the ten spies also suffered grave consequences for their unbelief. It actually says in Numbers that, so the men Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. That's serious. That's serious. Not only, you know, are we supposed to be carrying a, a, a good report, we can't be the ones to continually bring the bad reports of what's going on either. We have to be the ones that are always bringing the good report. But that, that verse, I think, yikes, that's, 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 you know, fear of the Lord material right there, isn't it? And let me tell you what, uh, something that scares me. The ten who spread the bad report, you know, were held accountable for trying to hold back what God wanted to do. The words they spoke were more dangerous, actually, than the giants of the land. If you think about that, it wasn't, it wasn't the giants of the land that took them out. It was their unbelief, right? And let's not forget, also, you know, we think that we, try, we vilify the other ten people. But these were also God's chosen people, right? The Israelites were still, they were still God's chosen people, but it was their unbelief that took them out. The Lord was ready to move, and those who didn't have the faith to go got what they wanted and were sentenced to stay and lose their lives in the desert. And what's interesting about that, too, is that their children actually went in place of them. So the blessing that was meant for them skipped over them and went to their children. I don't want that to happen to me. I want what God has for me right now. Amen? I want what God has for me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still true for today. It does take childlike faith to move on into the things of God and to move into our promised land as well, too. Kids are natural pioneers, aren't they? I'm so happy right now. The one thing that really bothered me about this whole pandemic when, when we started was uh, the fact that, you know, we take our kids on walks every day, you know, since March we've been doing that. And uh, it got to a point, though, there in March, probably it was maybe the end of March or maybe the beginning of April where they closed the parks. And we saw the yellow tape around the parks and everything like that. And just seeing our children's faces, seeing that the, the parks were the, really the only thing that they could do outside being taken away. That, that laid heavy on my heart. I didn't like that. That was just a, that really hurt me that, that to see that the children couldn't go to the parks. 
But the good news was, though, is that, you know, when the parks finally opened just a, a week or two ago, you know, the, the tape came off. They, did, they were not holding back when they got to the park. They ran. They, they, all the children, the parents were, I could see parents trying to, like, well, be careful, be careful. But the kids would just run and do what they were meant to do and play in the parks and, and just be normal children. They were pioneers. They were just going ahead. They didn't, they didn't you know, they weren't, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say they weren't following social distance rules, but, you know, they were playing. They were children. They were children being children. They had childlike faith knowing that this was something that they could do now. And I, I love that. Our report has to be good. Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he's going to give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. The whole assembly talked about stoning the people that came with a good report. Here's something that's interesting. Pioneering and being a forerunner for the Lord is not always accepted or even appreciated by even the church sometimes. Right? Why? Because people always want to stay where they are. We always want to stay where we're comfortable. That's just part of our human nature. We want to stay where it's safe, where it's predictable, where we know what to expect when we go. You know, that's just kind of what our human nature is. Even Christians are quite content and comfortable to stay in the desert because things are working pretty well for them there. You know, maybe the offering is up. You know, maybe the sermons are good. The attendance is high. You know, these are all good things that happen in church. But you know what? What if the Lord is moving on? What if he wants to do something else? You know, what is he valuing in the kingdom of God? Where does he want us to go? What does he want us to do? I'm not here to tell you what it is because the Lord is in charge of that. But I just want to put my heart, I want to put my mind into a place of obedience so that I know that when the Lord moves, where the Lord or the Holy Spirit says, you need to go here, that we're ready to go in advance. We're ready to do that and not hold on to the things of the past. Amen? All right. So here's a, here's a pro tip that I'm going to leave you with. Jesus is always moving on. Actually, in Acts 3.15, it, says, it refers to Jesus as the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we're all witnesses. What's interesting about this verse is that the word prince is actually translated from the, work of the Greek word archegos. And in Acts 3.15, Jesus is called the archegos of life. And in this context, actually, in other translations, it actually means originator. The prince of life, it actually just mean, it means originator. Someone who starts or begins something. An archegos is one who leads the way so that others can follow. It can also be translated to trailblazer in some translations or scout in some other translations or pioneer. And it also indicates someone who leads into battle, who blazes a trail forward. Imagine that. Sets a pattern, initiates and guides. He actually is moving us onwards. He's moving us onwards and upwards. Right? That's where he's leading us. He's not leading us backwards to safety. He's leading us onwards. He's the trailblazer. He's the originator. He's the one. He's the scout. He's the one going ahead of us. Isn't that exciting? We're not on this alone. We've got him with us. He is the trailblazer. He's preparing the way for us to follow. Man, let's not be satisfied 
Let's not be satisfied for what is. Let's be willing to risk and bank on the fact that the Lord is moving us into the next horizon. That's exciting. That's exciting. What's next is exciting. That's where we want to go. You know, I refuse to be a church. I, I refuse to be a Christian even, you know, who's lost my fire and zeal for what's onwards, for what's next, where God is going to take us to. I don't want to be that person. I'm done with the desert. Are you? I'm done with that desert. Let's move on to the promised land. Am I the only one that feels this way? No, I want to move on away from the desert. You know, is it possible that, you know, the cloud and, and fire of the Lord has moved on? Is it possible? You know, we can't be camping out anymore. It's time to pick up and follow our Archegos, follow him. The pitiful little man-made, you know, religious fires that, that are there, they can easily be snuffed out, as we've already witnessed. They can be snuffed out so easily because it's a fire that can be easily just wiped out very quickly. But instead, let's be consumed with his fire, which is always burning. Let's follow his trailblaze. Amen? Like, I'm going to be the first one to admit that following God's lead is, it can be scary. It can be. It can be very scary. Following God's lead is not, is not always the easiest thing to do, right? But I, I don't think, you know, we can lose fact of the, 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 the point that, you know, he, he, it's comforting to know that we are actually following the one who knows where he's going. We have to realize the fact that we are following the person who actually knows the direction to go. And actually, when I read, there's, whenever I, you, you feel scared about where he's going, I like to read uh, this verse in Isaiah, it's for, Isaiah 43, and says this, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you're not going to be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I just pray that over all of you today. We do not need to be consumed by fear for what is to come, even though it's unknown. We are, he's the great pioneer. He's going ahead of us, and we are following with him. We're part of his team. Amen. And that's, that's a, a wonderful thing to think of. We are not going to be burnt. We're not going to be scorched. We are with him, and he's taking care of us because we are his. Amen. Won't you stand with me right now? We're going to pray before we go. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you that we're moving in a new direction. It's exciting. We don't want to be where we were. We want to be where you are. Dear Lord, thank you for your promised presence. It comforts my heart to know that I'm not alone. Lead me, Lord, through the current unknowns. Make your path clear, and, and I promise I will follow it. We're not satisfied with what was. We're only satisfied with what will be. We eagerly anticipate your presence. We eagerly anticipate your fire. And today, Lord, we declare your good report. We're not going to believe the negative report. We are going to believe the good report that what you have for us is greater than anything we could ever even imagine. So we eagerly anticipate your move, your deliverance for us into your promised land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you all for coming today. 
be blessed and know that you are making history right now. You are the ones that are blazing the trail and you are following the best trailblazer that you could ever imagine to be with. You're safe in him. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you very much.